All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. The cheering was for me. I couldn't believe it. I walked into the banquet room filled with other players and their families at the NHL All-Star Game I had just played in. Families whose company some cynic said was too good for me. Yet there they were, clapping and hooting for me. Whoa! Does anybody else have goosebumps? (laughs) I fell asleep. Does anybody else just feel totally ready to take over the world? Listening to that excerpt from my book. So, welcome to the podcast, everybody. We just came across this tweet uh, Simon and Schuster just did, and I am a little heated right now. This is John, obviously here with Tim and Larry. Um, so my book I wrote, geez, it's got to be two years ago now. Um, it's been published, and apparently they did an audio version without me knowing, and they released it. Um, I don't know around the same time as the movie. And this is what they came up with, this guy right here. And they just sent out a tweet with a little clip of my book, like kind of pumping up the NHL game tonight, game five. And they said, oh, if you like hockey, buy this book. Here, Here is an excerpt. Is that excerpt. what it is? Excerpt <laughs> from the book. And then they put that 30-second clip. And if I was any human being or hockey fan, I would honestly – Never, ever, ever buy that book in a million years because that is not exciting at all. It depresses me. It sounds like a robot. And the thing that really grinds my gears is they didn't reach out to me once to do this book. And I'm I'm just like, I would have done it for free because no one's going to buy that book. Just hearing 30 seconds of this Joe Schmo probably never even stepped on the ice before in his life talking about hockey. It's very exciting. The way you said to me, NHL All Star. I'm going to think about this day for the rest of my life. You're reading like a like a Charles Dickens book. Oh, or something. Great expectations. It's unbelievable. I, I I first heard it a couple months after my book got released, and I I I emailed the people. I was like, "What is happening? <laughs> Whose idea was this?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, it's standard protocol. We have a couple people who who always read our books." And I was like, "I would have done it. Like, it's such." It doesn't do my book justice. It's so bad. It's so incredibly bad. I tell, don't buy the audiobook. I don't care how cheap it is. <laughs> if someone gives it to you for free, if you want me to read the book for you, let me know. Give me 10 bucks and I'll read the whole book for you. <laughs> and I'll, I'll send it to you over an audio file because that is awful. It's so bad. 
It just really, it puts me in a bad mood. We can do like different sections on your cameo where people can just hire you to read the chapters. <laughs> a chapter at a time. <laughs> yeah. Give me wh- whatever my cameo is, a hundred bucks, I'll read a chapter. It'd be the best hundred bucks you ever spent. Yes. It's so bad that it's so incredibly embarrassing to me and Simon and Schuster and hockey in general. I apologize for having to open up the podcast with that. It's just, oh my gosh. And then to send it to their Twitter account, which they probably have a decent following. It's like, oh my gosh, they're going to get zero sales for my book after that. I can't believe they didn't at least give you like a choice. Like maybe not approve the whole thing, but like, okay, you can pick from these three voices. Right. Right. Or even just let me do it. There's no inflection. There's no emotion. There's no just conviction. It's so bad. The crowd was hooting and hollering. (laughs) (laughs) These were my friends. It's so awful. I am. Oh my gosh. Anyways. That just came out. So if you if you want to get my book, get get the paperback. You know, don't get the audio. I'm sorry, because that I I couldn't sit through. It's got to be like five six hours long. I would imagine if they're going to read the whole book. But with that guy, how slow he talks, it's probably ten hours long. I don't know. But anyways, welcome to another podcast of dropping the gloves. I'm sorry to start it off this way, but man, we just came across that, and what what a joke coming in hot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it's a very Important day in history today. Ooh. Yeah, today is a somber day. It's it's a good day, but a somber day. It was it was a glorious start, but a lot of, a lot of tragedies. It's D Day. It's the anniversary of D Day. June sixth, nineteen forty four, was the actual day. But now it's I think it's how many years is that? Seventy five. Seventy five years since D Day, and we have an expert in the room with us. Who has done reenactments of D-Day specifically? I have, yeah. So I would be doing myself a disservice and our whole audience a disservice if we didn't talk about the emotions going through your head when you came over the hill on a fake D-Day <laughs> attack on the Nazis. Or not the Nazis, the Germans, because the Nazis weren't... There was no such thing as Nazis. Or I thought they were attacking Tim. They were attacking. So let's just. I feel attacked right now. <laughs> yeah, but no. In all honesty, how did it feel? So yeah. So I didn't. I didn't um, reenact the infantry beach landings. I reenacted the hundred first airborne, which was the guys that parachuted in the night before, about midnight, um, about six or seven hours before the beach landings, um, and their objective was to open up different causeways for the for the. Beach troops. What's to, a causeway? Basically, it's a it's a way inland. So the the Allies okay. identified, okay, like this oh. this um this town, this port, this section of the beach is where we're going to kind of concentrate our forces. And which beach were you focused on? Uh, 101st Airborne was about a couple miles inland of Omaha Beach. Okay. So uh, what what those guys did was drop behind enemy lines in the darkness, and because the weather was so bad, they. The planes had to make a choice between either flying too low or flying too high. Too low. Go too low. Yeah. If flying too low, there's not enough time for the parachute to do its thing. The guys will be hitting the ground too hard. Oh. Fly too high, you're above the clouds. You can't see where you are. So what they did they end up doing? Um, most of them went low. Nice. Um, and they were under, under fire and everything like that, obviously. Um, just about every single paratrooper missed their drop zone. Just most, most of them landed by themselves, trying to get together in like over the course of a night. They had different um, methods of communication, different like flashlight signals. They had these these thing called crickets. If you've seen Band of Brothers, you know like one click is, is the response is two clicks, and uh, the Germans didn't know it. They had different passwords. Flash, the response is thunder. If you see a guy in the bushes, you say flash. There's no response. 
dead. Light them up. Yeah. Right? No way. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, just because there was, you couldn't take the risk. And uh, they, they would, a lot of drills and training that went into that. So these guys would get together, like most of them land on their own. A couple, sometimes they have one or two buddies with them and just try to make their way toward their objective. And again, they had no idea where they were. Most of them were miles from where they were supposed to be. Um, but finding different landmarks, because for months they had been studying the terrain, studying the, the maps and everything. Okay, this this town, this church, this hill, whatever, this body of water would kind of anchor them so they had some idea of where they are. Some kind of rally point. Right, and they basically they would just kind of make their way toward the objective in groups of three, four, or ten, maybe twenty. Um, and the good thing about that is as chaotic and unorganized as it was, it create, created just as much chaos for the Germans. There was no order to it. There was like, okay, anywhere they turn, they run into like, you know, Jimmy from New York and Tommy from Philadelphia. Tim from Boston. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And basically they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They opened up landing zones for additional troops. They um, made their way in uh, toward the sea to again, just take out those taking out like communication routes, taking out um, artillery that was going to fire down on the beach. They've taken out, um, communication methods. All so when you, when you parachuted in, how high were you guys when you came in? <laughs> we didn't parachute in, John. I thought you were the 151 airborne infantry. 101st. Yeah, no. Oh, so you just kind of walked in. They kind of yeah. pretended. They go, woo. <laughs> we ride our bikes and just hop off really quickly. That's yeah. cool, though. The actual D-Day is pretty impressive. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to think the about The sheer what size did. of it. Do you know how many soldiers, like... Total it was on more the than a hundred thousand. Like it's, it's wow. massive, massive. The biggest amphibious assault in history. It's super cool. I've watched a lot of movies on it. Obviously I've watched a lot of documents. I've read a lot of books. I, I think it's super. I, World War II is my, well, I geek out on that a lot. So it's cool to have an expert in the building who actually has pretended to do it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty neat. And then did you run into any Nazis when you were doing your reenactments? Yeah. So and they and they would have in real life too. Oh. Right. What so they are Nazis, <laughs> not German soldiers. Okay. Just checking. For those of you who listen to the podcast, Tim always denies there being Nazis, and I just caught him right now. No, I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. Most most of the Germans were Nazis. Most of the German army. But they were Nazis, but yeah. not all of them. Yeah. Did you ever run into any German army guys who weren't Nazis? In reenacting, none of them are Nazis. None of them are Nazis. Interesting. Interesting. I don't, know, I don't know how accurate it is. But anyways, so anyways, say thank you to a veteran today, especially one who is, you know, involved in that. I just saw yeah, probably actually, one from World War II. <laughs> I saw a um, video of a 97-year-old man. Oh, yeah. Who parachuted into Normandy. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Unreal. Did a face plant on a landing, brushed himself <laughs> off, and like just went on his way. It was so, so cool. The coolest part of, of doing reenacting is getting to meet the veterans who were there. I bet. Like, I bet. Got, met guys who parachuted into Normandy that night. Met guys who were, you know, in the cold in the Battle of the Bulge. Just oh, unbelievable stories. It's got to be so special. Yeah. It's it's that generation were was the toughest generation. It, it's so like BA what they did. And they then to come the back. Generation. Ah, it's so cool. Nowadays, can you imagine getting a 20-year-old to try to go to war to sign up? Just to protect the country out of pure patriotism, not a chance in the world. I'm looking at Eric, our intern. He's just saying no chance he would do Zero that. chance whatsoever. No. There is no, I would say out of all the 20-year-olds in the whole country, I would say a good 10% of them 
probably have the manliness manliness gene. Ninety percent of them are just complete weenies. Back then, people like if guys uh, were rejected for physical whatever, like being flat footed or bow legged or whatever, they would they were sneak killing in. themselves. Yeah, they people would like committing pretend. suicide because they couldn't go to war. It's wow. just yeah, not anymore. It's just our generation, or not our generation. The generation now is so soft. Not even millennials. The the ones after them. Right now, kids who are twenty and eighteen and fifteen are just so soft. They're they are just soft. out there tweeting and Instagramming every and single. Not Fortnite. doing anything physical. <laughs> when I was a kid, I'd run Back around and like. Make forts and roll in the yeah. dirt and do kids stuff. You Not know, enough kids are making forts. <laughs> no, but seriously, kids I don't want to see you till dinner time. That's they're like making web pages and just being <laughs> geeks. Doing summer you know what I mean? I'm sorry, calling and, me out to my face. <laughs> sorry, Larry. But yeah, it's just like, man, who's going to take over the country in 20 years? Geeks, Geek Central. Not a man. Not a man. Anyways. I think we've gone a little sideways. So anyways, <laughs> D-Day, awesome day, changed the face of the country, the whole world, changed the whole World War II outcome. So great job, America and Canada and Britain. We got, we got a nice tweet. Remember the, uh, the guy who tweeted back at me when I said that, jokingly said that uh, Canadian beats Juno was the easiest beats. Someone yeah. tweeted at me today with a picture of Canadians landing there saying, show, show, they tweeted you saying, show this to Tim. Yeah. So it was not the easiest beach. I learned a lot. There was a lot of casualties on that beach. There was. Canadians, there were no easy beaches. Yeah. Canadians don't give up, baby. Not at all. Respect. Yeah. Respect. Anyways. Okay. Moving on to some hockey talk. Not necessarily more important, but more relevant, I think. So game five is tonight. Sure is. It's tied 2 2. Best of three series now. What a roller coaster of a series. After game three, I thought it was over. The shellacking the Bruins gave the Blues, I was like, it's done. It's no. weird. Like, both, all four games, it seems like one of those teams is a much better team, mm-hmm. right? You watch the Bruins, like, yeah, the Blues can't skate with these guys. And you watch game two, you're like, yep, the Blues got this. It's the crazy team. how it's just gone, like, from one side, the momentum has shifted every single game. I will say though, like I think I still think the Bruins are the better team because even for like in games two and four, the Blues won. It seemed like everything had to go right and go their way, and yeah. they still only won by really one goal. I mean, it was it was an empty netter. We'll call it a one goal game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So like you know, the Bruins were able to spank the Blues. It didn't really turn out the other way around when the Blues won. Now it's the injury bug. Yes. The Bruins back end. What's going to happen? You told me Char is playing. So that's the report now. It's, it's about what? Three o'clock. What time is it, Larry? It's 2.11 p.m. 2.11. As of now, nothing's official, but the report is that Char is going to skate tonight. He's got a broken jaw. He's wearing a cage. He skated with the team earlier today. I think whether he skates or not, they're probably going to roll a seven defenseman. Yeah, which is smart because I don't think it's a good move he plays. I feel like at his advanced age... And that's a tough injury. Anytime you get bumped or jarred or pushed or anything, it's going to affect you. I don't care how much meds you have in you. There's no medication you can put in your body that takes away the pain from a broken jaw. It's not like a strained muscle. It's not a sore back. It's not a torn groin or or an ACL tear. It's a broken jaw. Yeah, it's the cup, John, though. He's, he's like 38. Like he's got it. This is it. It is the cup, but at what point do you have to get out of your own way for the better of the team? When yeah. you say, you know what? I want to play. I love hockey. I want to be a tough guy. And he is a tough SOB. 
he has shown it over the last 15, 20 years. Like he is one of the toughest guys on the ice, but is he going to do his team more harm than good? Plus, you got to think about the Blues having a field day with him, too, right? right? I mean, tell me, like, if you're playing the Kings, you know that Dowdy just got back from a shoulder injury. You're all going after his shoulder. You're throwing right? in his corner. You're going to bury him into the boards. Yep. And I can just see Perron face washing oh, him, I going after guy. him. It's go- it, There's a 100% chance it's going to happen. Yeah. And then Charo's going to take offense to it, and he's going to give him a shot, and Perron's going to dive. And then they're going to be in the box for two. I can predict it just because that's, oh, if, if you, it's like the, the jungle. If you know there's a weak link, yeah. you you go after it. You exploit it. When when you're a, a lion, are you going after the big wildebeest? You're taking the one that's got a bad hip, the old one, or the new baby. That's the easy meal, baby. Have you ever done that? Taking out a wildebeest? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, my bad. <laughs> no, on the ice. We lost a lot of good men out there. You get news that someone on the other team's limping or something? Oh, for you sure. Go right for him. Absolutely. Okay. If, if some guy's got a broken wrist or a bad hand, Ooh. you slash him all game. <laughs> Every single game. If there's a demon, like you said, Dowdy, he's got a hurt knee or a bad foot, a broken foot, you bury him as often as you can, as hard as you can. That's just how it works. Like it's it's a cutthroat game, especially if it's a star player like Chara is. Yeah. You go after that guy nonstop, and you don't like. It's just that's how you win the game. I don't know. And what's, so, what's the worst injury you've ever played through? I played through a semi torn shoulder ro- rotator cuff in my shoulder. Oh, which listen, I'm not like a a very important person to the game, but. I, I've seen guys play through torn ACLs, MCLs, meniscus tears, um, everything wrong with the separated shoulders, everything. And guys just kind of brush it off. One of the weirder ones, I, I literally bent my nose sideways one game Ugh. where I went to hit somebody and their helmet crushed my nose and it went completely sideways. And I went in the locker room, grabbed it with both hands and kind of <laughs> straightened it. Ugh. And you could hear it getting straightened. It was in Washington. I still, I broke the nose right in front of my bench. I dropped all my gear, left the ice, came back the next, like the very next shift and went on the ice. It, it was so bizarre. Yeah. You're, you're just blood's pumping regular season game. Yeah. No big deal. That's not <laughs> your, your breathing thing. Is it? Oh yeah. No, I can't breathe. Because That's of, just one of the many, one of the many yeah. broken noses <laughs> okay. I've, I've suffered because as a tall guy, when you hit someone, their helmet, oh, there's yeah. a good chance it's going to nail you right in the nose if you get them good. So yeah, that was one of the weirder ones. And I did it with my thumb. I got into a fight one time. My thumb got ripped off. And I went back to the locker room and popped it back on. And the trainer was like, you can't go out. We have to go <laughs> stitch this up. But then I played the next game. Dang. So, yeah. That's what it takes. It is what it takes. And then I was watching the Raptors game last night. And the Rap- or the Warriors have a few guys out because they have a sore calf and a sore hamstring. <laughs> and then I see these guys who are injured bouncing around on the floor. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, are you kidding me? It drives me bonkers. It just further solidifies how tough hockey players are. I, I feel like hockey players are the toughest athlete. I feel like they go through the most. They play with the worst injuries. And they don't even talk about it, which is great. The basketball players, they're just, oh, my my thigh is hurt. I can't do it. I can't do it. And they're like on their soapbox telling everybody about their injury. A guy has a torn ACL, won't even tell his coach because he wants to play. Do you think, do you, like, why? Because, do you, do you, do you what's the difference? Because we're, we're, we're strong. We're tough, baby. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like we have that pride factor where it's like, we don't want to show weakness because that's not what hockey players do. It's ingrained in just what a hockey player is. Gordy Howe didn't do it. 
John Bellavo didn't do it. Zidane Ochar is not doing it. And you don't want to be the guy who does it and be like, wait a minute. You're not like us. You're not tough. Beat it. Like, get out of here. It's just who we are. It's it's what hockey's all about. And I, I think just that, I don't know. That's just, like that. that's, just, that's just what it is. Whereas other sports, it's acceptable to be like, oh, I got a blister on my hand. I can't pitch for three <laughs> weeks. It's like, oh, my gosh. Like, are you serious? Total, total soft weenies. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot just, like these millennials. <laughs> most of them are millennials. Big old weenies. Yeah. Don't like it. But anyways, okay. Game five. Well, what's going to happen? Chara is playing. The defense is the X factor. Let's assume he's playing. Grizilnik. Grizlik. Grizlik. Yeah, he's a question mark too because they're already on their seventh defenseman now with John Moore, who's a very good. Who's a defenseman. very serviceable seventh defenseman? Yeah, played um, a bunch for the Rangers in the playoffs. He's, right. he's, a, he's good a good defenseman. Player. Yeah. Next guy up is Camfer. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. He's again. He's he's an NHL. Who player. played for Colorado for a long time? A Minnesota. very. He came up with the Bruins. Yep, serviceable defenseman. Not yep. going to win you a game, but hopefully won't make the mistake to cost you the game. So, mm-hmm. who's going to show up for the Bruins? Which team? The team that blows you out, or the team that lets you hang around? I, I want. I want to say the team that blows. They're you at out. home. They're going to yep. have that going for them. So, it's it's honestly a toss up. If St. Louis can stay out of the box. And play well defensively, which we know they can. Yeah, it's going to be another close game. I wonder. Uh, I think the, the Bruins' top six is a big question mark. You haven't seen much out of the top line. Nothing. You've seen them. even less out of Krejci's yeah. line. And I think probably Backus is the guy, the odd man out if they roll seven defensemen. I think he's going to have to go. Yeah, which is too bad because he's playing pretty good. But I think he's just if it's anyone because you don't want to mess with the, the bottom, the third and fourth line because they're the rolling. You can't just, touch the fourth line, right? And the third line too with. Uh, Coyle, Heinen, and Johansson. Yeah. They're, just, they're killing it. So it's got to be Backus. Um, I, I don't know how they cycle it. Backus. Backus. You got me, John. Um, I think they mix up the lines. What about putting Pasternak back on Krejci's line and cycling some different guys on Bergeron's line? I think with the top two lines, you might have to mix it up because they really haven't done anything. They haven't gotten much pressure. Obviously, on the power play, they they can do some damage, but just five on five, they've been pretty much shut down the whole series. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is like, okay, the Bruins have tied the series, had the series two to two without anything from the top line. Right? So imagine yeah. if the top line starts scoring, it shouldn't even be a series. It should be pretty easy for them to win, but that's the thing. Can you get those two top lines going? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say a big game for them tonight. Oh, really? Yes. A goal each for Marshawn and Pasternak. Really? That's not really going out on a limb because they're so good, but yes, we'll see. I didn't say it was going out on a limb. I'm just saying. So Bruins a win. I still think Bruins in six. That was my original pick. Six, huh? Yeah. You think it's going to seven now? I think it's going to seven either way. So it's going to go Bruins, St. Louis Bruins. Yeah. Okay. I think Bruins will win the next two. That's just how I feel. Even though I hate when teams win on the opposing team's ice. I do too. It kind of always takes happens. The excitement out of it, but yeah, it seems like it happens fifty fifty percent of the time. Probably more. I feel like it happens more. <laughs> Games get at on Bruins that tonight. Game is yeah, in Boston. Game's in Boston. Yeah, game right. five. We'll see what happens. We're both picking Bruins. Yep. And for those of you who want to go to the game and live in Boston, <laughs> swing over to SeatGeek.com and get yourself a ticket. You know what else? If you use promo code John Scott, you'll get twenty dollars off. Twenty dollars, not just twenty percent. Twenty dollars bonus. And you know what else? That goes for all tickets, not just the Bruins game tonight. So I'm talking if you want to go see the Teletubbies, bring your kids. <laughs> any it. concert, any show, any venue, go to SeatGeek.com. Promo code John Scott. You get $20 off. 
Do it now. Ticketmaster, see you later. (laughs) StubHub, beat it. SeatGeek. Promo code John Scott, $20 off. Check it out. Anyways, another thorn in my side. Reporters these days. So being as I am a consummate professional and I try to prepare for the podcast as much as I can, I like to read articles, you know, get ideas, get some inspiration. And I stopped doing that about a month ago because I found that every article I read is mostly the exact same content. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I would just go, okay, go strictly TSN. I would go TSP, TSN, ESPN, um, Fox Sports, and all these other outlets. And it drives me bananas when I see one article, and then I just literally see it almost plagiarized by another outlet. And it's like, what is happening? Right. These people don't have an original thought. It's like they, they find one thing, and they just use it. They, they don't. Well, they do. <laughs> what do you mean? They do. So I used to work for two jobs ago. I used to produce a morning news show every morning. Ooh. Fox 47 morning news at seven. From where? Uh, out of Lansing. Oh. Yeah. So every morning you get a big ticker on the right side of your screen. It has all the stories for the day. Like the news station subscribes to it. You copy and paste it over into your story. You change the name. You change a couple of the words so it's not plagiarism. And it's about quantity. You want to get as many of these stories out and on your show and on the website. It's not about writing a good journalistic piece of like news. It's just about like getting it out there before someone else does. Drives me nuts. Yeah. It's toxic. It's so incredibly boring and lazy and just not interesting whatsoever. I don't know. When I go to read an article, I'm hoping to be entertained a little bit and learn something. And then I read the same thing I just read two minutes ago. Especially this time of year, too, because there's not that many teams left playing, right? So these guys are all using the same information. So they're, you know, these beat reporters are all like, they got the mics in front of the same guys at the same press conference. They're interviewing, say, McAvoy. What are the keys to the game tonight? Get pucks deep, you know, bury the body, shots on net, that kind of thing. And then you're going to see 19 articles about McAvoy giving the keys to the game tonight. Like, it's the exact same formula. Yeah, and players aren't going to give you what they truly feel. No. Like, and they're not going to give you their strategy. Like, I, I guarantee the Bruins strategy is not what they're telling you. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. It's really sad. No one really gives you their real opinion. And I've had plenty of conversations with reporters and they'll tell you what they think about the team or the game or the state of the league or anything. And then you read their article and it's just like boring, like snooze fest. So I have gone on a strict non-reading, non-watching diet of oh. all the stuff because I don't want to be influenced by... This is garbage. It's so bad. Do you just cut it all out or do you have a couple sources that you still check? Well, I just don't read hockey articles anymore because it's a joke. I don't know. It's just, it's sad. It's really, really sad. And I'll give you what I think. Like, I I think the Bruins will win the series and I think they'll win in six and Chara shouldn't play. And that's that's how it goes. Their top two lines have been playing like garbage and their fourth line has been keeping them in the series. And it's obvious to anybody, but... At least I'm not just regurgitating stuff I read on TSN.com. Like <laughs> Frank Cervelli, who's a great guy, 
he does a great job, but everybody probably just steals his articles and goes from there. So sounds like the John Scott News Network is launching soon. Oh my word! <laughs> should I? I? I have a lot of opinions, not just on <laughs> hockey. You got stuff to say, John? I got things to say. If anybody wants to hear them, uh, specifically about millennials, that's my wheelhouse. You should start a podcast. I Whoa. should about how much I don't like the new generation That'll and how them. soft they are. The, the major people who digest podcasts. Let's attack them. Yeah, or I'm going to start a camp. It's called the Man Camp. Ooh. Where we go and we learn how to like start a fire, change our brakes, change our oil, um, change a tire in your car. I guarantee Eric doesn't know how to change a tire. You know, he calls his dad. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah. Got I know how to jump. change it. AAA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. But anyways, I just feel like do better reporters. I know all of you listen to my podcast. Can I back up? Do you change the the oil in your car yourself? I've done it before, but it's not cost effective. Okay. Yeah. Because... To get an oil change these days, it's like $34.50. Yeah. To buy the oil and to change it and to find somewhere to dump it, it's not worth it. I do my own brakes. I do other things, but I don't do oil just because it's not it's not worth it. Okay. It really isn't. Especially with the newer cars, it's honestly really hard to change the old oil. Change out your oil on the newer cars. It really is. And I have a 2017 Honda Pilot I won at the All-Star Game for being MVP. <laughs> did you know that, Tim? I did not know that. So in the 2016, All-Star there was a big... Um, yeah, play the book again, please. <laughs> Get it on there. But anyways, I feel like big game tonight. Raptors are going to be game four. Ooh. If you want to wrap on that a little bit. What do you think? I think the Raptors, if Clay Thompson comes back, I still think the Raptors will be fine. If KD comes back, Ooh, that's... Everyone's saying maybe game, if it get, goes to seven. He will not, there will not be a game seven if he doesn't come back before that. Ooh. I feel like the Raptors will win in six or five if he doesn't come back. Because even with Clay, oh, You hobbled, think Raptors? Oh, yeah, without a I doubt. I mean, I want Raptors, but I they're think... They're up two to one, right? In the they're up two to one now. The last, last night's game was a complete joke. The Raptors should have blown them out even more than they actually did. They could Make a shot. What's that? I, I've just been reading about refs. Oh, oh. Hold on, I don't want to go to sleep yet. Seven hours, days, and weeks. Oh, it's good. I'm going to throw this chair. Good. <laughs> this guy. If I ever meet him in an elevator, thoughts. Bore you to sleep. Just like you, John. Oh my gosh. Like, is that me? Is that my twin brother? That's unbelievable. <laughs> but no, I think of the raps. If KD doesn't come back, it's going to be over. The Raptors will win the the title. Okay. You can't win with Steph. They just obviously shut him down. Speaking of winning, you're probably going to win this Ironman race in a couple months, <laughs> okay. right? Oh, my word. I didn't want to bring it up. Well, it's happening. It is making me it's stressed out now. Two and a half months away. Call it 10 weeks. It's exactly where I should start training, and I still haven't done anything since we last talked. No, this is you should be like finishing up your training. I right can't now. find the time to get out and run. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really can't. Wake up earlier. Go to bed later. My wife goes to church in the morning. She gets up at 6.20, 6.30, goes to mass. I get the kids ready for school. And then I'm, I'm you know, I'm off with my day. That's Why it. Why don't you walk us through a day? Tell us, let us know where you can't find time for. Are you training. kidding me? My day, especially lately. Grilling, he's raking. So, okay. <laughs> I, I'm worried about you, John. I wake up at 7 a.m. I get the kids ready for school. I get Gabriella and Ava up. If the twins are up, I get them up too. If the, if Lillian's up, I get her up. So I have five kids immediately some mornings at 7 a.m. I'm getting breakfasts ready. I'm taking off diapers. I'm getting the two bigger girls ready to go because they have to go to school. I am getting the twins buckled into their seats. I'm making breakfast for five, which entails mostly 
um, ho- uh, honey and oats for Gabriella. Mm-hmm. Then Ava is a toss-up. Sometimes she does toast and butter. Sometimes it's berries. Sometimes it's cereal. The twins are mostly yogurt and granola. And Lillian is a toss-up of uh, honey and oats and yogurt and granola. Once that is done, I clean up the whole thing. Danielle comes home. I take Gabrielle to school. I drop her off. I come home. We have activities. There are things going on. Lately, I've been doing yard work like crazy. So I'm going to get mulch. I'm going to get rocks. I'm doing all this stuff to get my yard ready. Danielle's off. She's doing stuff. And it's just go, 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 go the whole day. There's not a second where I can be like, well, let's go for a swim. No, let's take an hour and go for a run. Well, let's go for a 50-mile bike ride. Like, I don't know how people do it, train for these things. Do you guys want to go on a mountain bike right after this? No, because I have to go home because my kids have choir practice where they go and sing, and I have to go home right after this to do this. Like, it's not like I just have all this free time where I'm just not training. I have no time. If I wanted to go, the only time I have is when I get home. It's I put the kids down at 7.30, 8 o'clock, then I can go for a run, but to be honest, I don't want to. I'm so exhausted. Let's watch the sports, whatever hockey game or basketball game's on. Maybe eat dinner. I haven't eaten anything all day today. <laughs> As you can tell, I've had three beers and I'm feeling a little good. <laughs> so it's just like, man, busy, Tim. Any chance okay. you just call it off or are you still going to I'm doing it. Oh, I'm going to die good. in that lake if I do it. <laughs> now yeah. my new strategy is train for the swim. And then once I get out of the water, I'm going to go slow as I want. Okay. Because there is a time limit on the swim. The bike will be fine. Like, Isn't there like a pace guy, though, making sure you, you got to keep a minimum pace all the way through? I don't know. I've never <laughs> done an Ironman I think before. it's called like a, what is it, a fielder? When you get past this line, you, you just got to go back. Well, I'll just beat that guy then. Yeah. Like, that's all there is to it. <laughs> I'll just find some <laughs> big chubby guy and keep up with him. <laughs> but I've actually known people who are a little overweight and they can run like the wind. So that is a bad idea. Um, I'll just try to keep up. You know what I mean? I'm just going to train for the swim. Once the water gets a decent temperature, going to swim like a dolphin. And then <laughs> I figure that'll be enough training to bike and run. There's probably no other professional athletes in your race either. So you got that going for you. And I'm right? also 6'8", 270 pounds, which also is a little bit of a factor. I was driving back from, um, I did an event out in, gosh, where was I? New Brunswick this past weekend. And I, I drove back through the night. So it was like four in the morning when I got home and I looked at my ticker and it was like, I was 13 miles from home. And I was like, man, that's a long way. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I am running this whole way. And it got me really nervous because that's a long run. <laughs> There's, there was uh, some stand-up comedian, I think Chris Rock, who talked about how long a marathon is. He's like, 26 miles is a long drive. Yeah. Right? Like if yeah. someone calls me up, hey, can you give me a ride home? Yeah, where are you? I'm 26 miles away. No, that's too far. I can't do that. It's People run it. so far. Yeah, I was a long way from my house and it just clicked. I was like, this is a long run. Like this is going to take me at least three, four hours, maybe five hours to run this. And people finish a whole Ironman in five hours. So I don't know. I hopefully will find some time, but right now, 0% training to date. D-Day. Maybe this is my D-Day where I storm the beaches. Make every day your D-Day. Oh my gosh. Make a t-shirt. Okay. Every day is my oh, D-Day. Do you want to talk about your new idea? Oh, for Father's Day? Yeah. Or just for summer in general? Yeah, summer grilling, baby. I am going to make an apron with some kind of funny face on it. <laughs> yeah. Inspirational, awesome apron for Father's Day. Get your dad an apron with a big John Scott face on it. 
I think it'll be great. Yeah, we're going to launch it right after this. Right after this. We've already got it lined up. It's going to be awesome. We've been spent a lot of time on it, actually. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Father's Day. Oh, johnscott.com. Check out my swag. Good segue. johnscottallstar.com slash shop. I always ruin my website. johnscottallstar.com. Another a little bone to pick. I wanted to do johnscott.com, but there's a realtor in oh, some no. state who has johnscott.com. I'm pulling it up. And it's like, come on, man. There's also a politician somewhere named John Scott, and sometimes people will tweet at you, and they're going on political <laughs> rants against you. They don't know who you oh, are. Oh, I need to get in a political conversation with somebody. <laughs> but it's I have such a random, unique name. It was It's weird that people have the same name as me. It's so strange. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Isn't it? I need to... Uh, it's so strange. So you know what might inspire you to start training for your marathon? For what? Your, Iron Man. Iron Man. Uh, yeah. Um, we got a really inspiring DM from Instagram the other day that you haven't seen yet. Uh, Larry has seen it. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty good. I, um, I don't to want to <laughs> sugarcoat it too much. I'm just going to let you read it. If you wouldn't mind reading this um, live here. You ready? I'm ready. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I think it'll get you fired up. I it have will. a feeling it this is going to go bad. You, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> From D Money 376. Why would someone message me that? <laughs> Who has just like... They wanted to be on the podcast, apparently. Okay. All right. And his... His name is D Money, and his D Money name on Instagram is D Dollar Sign, <laughs> and he's private. D Schmidt twenty one at D Schmidt twenty one. He's got one hundred eight followers. You know what? You know, beat it, D Money three seven six D underscore Money three seven six. Everyone go and call him. He sucks. That's not nice. I don't even know this guy. I don't know. Unbelievable. I bet you listen to the podcast for however much he thinks I suck. Not nice. Not nice I at love, all. Can we keep an eye on that? Just like as a bunch of like. We should do a, um, a follow up. Like celebrities reading mean tweets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, send me your meanest DMs and I'll read them. The meanest <laughs> one. Well, uh, I just opened Pandora's box. Yeah. It's a dangerous <laughs> yeah. game to play. I know. But let's do it for a week. See how it goes. I'll read the meanest Instagram DM you send me. Oh, no. <laughs> or tweets. Or tweets. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Nobody say a word. All right. We're back. (laughs) So we finished up the podcast. We were just chatting, rapping. And Tim came across Chara, who, after pregame skate today... On Twitter. I came across him on Twitter. came across it on Twitter. He's doing interviews... But he can't talk because his jaw, I don't know if it's wired shut. Can't open his mouth. He cannot open his mouth. (laughs) So he's doing interviews with a pen and paper. There's no picture or video that we can find. But apparently he's writing out the answers for the reporters. (laughs) What has you so riled up about that? And you guys love it. I love it. I think it's the most ridiculous thing you could ever do. Why? Because it's like, oh, look at me. I'm writing out. The, I'm so tough. It's like, no, you can't talk. Don't be a hero and write out the answers. It just bothers me for some reason. You were talking for like 10 minutes about how he's one of the toughest guys in the he's game. He's super tough. If he plays tonight, he's super tough. Now he's just like, he's begging for the spotlight. Like, oh, I'm writing the answers out. Look at how great I am. No, you don't need to do this. Just go back, get your treatment, tell the trainers how it felt, make a decision if you're playing or not. Don't go out there and parade around like you're some 
whatever hero because you're doing an interview with your jaw wired shut. It's yeah. so ridiculous. But if he doesn't talk to the media, then every single question for his teammates is going to be like, oh, how's, how's he doing? How's he, how's he feeling? He's if like, he don't worry about talk me. talk to the media, it's because he's got a broken jaw. Yeah. And but- everyone gets it. And all the reporters, you okay? Ask me. Okay, Z didn't talk. I'm uh, Marshawn. Ask me a question. How's how's Chara feeling? How's he looking for the game tonight? Broken jaw. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, do you think that ever happens? Every single question for every player is going to be about Chara. What? A- ask me another question. Have you talked to him today? Yeah, his jaw's broken. <laughs> yeah, do you think he's going to play tonight? He's skated. He's talking to the trainers. What have they said? Broken jaw. I don't know. Okay. Game time decision. It's not rocket science. He's just doing this. To get a little more sympathy. And it just, it's like, don't. And I'm sure, well, you're a Boston guy. You're like, oh my gosh. Him and Tom Brady, they're so tough. It's uh, great. It's don't even just, say Tom Brady's it's name. Too, it's too much. It's taking the narrative too far. You got a broken jaw. You sat on the bench and cheered your team on. In a loss, by the way, it didn't even work. Go to the room. Get your treatment. Get ready for the next game. Nobody needs a hero to come out and answer. And here's one of the questions. What's your biggest challenge in skating with this type of injury? And he gets out his pad and paper, <laughs> his little whatever he's writing on. At this time, imagine if you're a reporter, you're waiting for him to write this out. It's like a game show where they hold up the sign. <gasps> What's the answer going to be? Oh, my gosh. And all the reporters are furiously writing down his, his uh, quote or taking pictures of it. And he goes, at this time of the playoffs, everyone has injuries and there are challenges that you have to overcome to play. I'm no different than any player on either team. I wonder if he spelt every word right. That was beautiful. <laughs> I got goosebumps listening to that. Well, I'm sure, he, yeah, it, it's a great quote, but if you can't talk, this might be the first time in history where someone actually wrote the quote out and gave it to reporters. It's just, it's just something where it's like, you know what I mean, man? We get it. You're tough. You don't. And then the next question, how do you weigh the risk of further injury when deciding whether to play? And he writes, I wonder what color pen he was using. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if it was a marker or if it was a whiteboard, if he just erased it. It's so interesting. It's fascinating. And he, and, and Zidane Ochara says, you don't think about that period. You think about playing period. You don't go into a game thinking you might get hurt period. <laughs> It's just like Tim is literally crying right now. And I'm literally <laughs> furious. If I was on St. Louis, I would bring out a Sharpie and a whiteboard in my pocket. And after I buried him and punched him in the mouth in a scrum, I would throw it on him. I'm like, right about that, Chara, you big baby. <laughs> oh, that stuff. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Char- I, Chara wouldn't fight you though. No. And uh, stuff like that drives me nuts when you, when you try to take all the attention. I played with guys who, in TV timeouts, they'd take their helmets off and they'd skate around the ice and they'd try to get everyone to look at them. And it's like, no, <laughs> don't do it. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants you to do it. So stop doing it. And there's players out there. You know who they are. Just watch any game. Every TV timeout, some guys take their helmet off on the bench. They ruffle their hair. You don't need to do that. Throw their head back. and Throw their head back. Do like the shampoo commercial. <laughs> you don't need to do it. You're just doing it to get cameras on you. And it drives guys nuts. It drives me nuts because it's about the team. It's about the greater good, winning the game. It's not about you and how tough you are. If you're tough, you don't say a word, you play the game. John, maybe if you were prettier, you would have been doing that too. Listen, I got one time I took my helmet off in a fight and I was so worried about my bald spot. 
it, it like freaked me out in the fight where I had to like fix my hair and everyone thought I was being a prima donna and I never did it after that. I was like, no, I was just covering up the old bald spot. Don't worry about me. I do not want the cameras on me when my helmet's off. No, no thanks. But Zidano, you know what? Do whatever you want. I don't think it's the cool thing. I think it's kind of a weenie move to do. Anyways, we just that just came across the Twitter and I was just like, man, grinds my gears. Fire those mics back up. I got to yeah. say something about this. Okay, let's hear the silly wrong refute. Go ahead. What do you got to say about it? Nothing. That's, that's what you were saying. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to come back to me like, oh, Zidano's so the man. Me too. I was like, wait, what, Tim? I thought you, yeah. Tim. Anyways. It's the beer. Sorry. <laughs> anyways, I just wanted to let everyone know how I thought about that Chara thing. And then the whole Kyle Lowry. That came up too. The guy pushing him in the stands. The oh, owner yeah. of the team. <laughs> it's like, just keep your hands to yourself. Here's a, here's a headline on Twitter right now. Chara answering questions in writing because his jaw is shattered is peak hockey guy. It's, oh, it's no. not peak hockey. <laughs> now, you wait. There's going to be 15 other articles saying how tough he is. Oh, he's, he's battling through. He's giving an interview he doesn't have to give. Guess what the source is? What? Boston.com. Shocker. <laughs> Sh- absolute shocker. Written by Tim. Where's <laughs> My headline is... Chara does needless interview, wasting time, should be getting treatment in the room to see if he actually can play. Long headline, totally valid. Yeah. What a, yeah, whatever. Anyways. Yeah. And some guy's going to pick up this podcast and write a headline. He's going to steal my headline and it's going to be like, whatever. <laughs> whatever, you guys. Anyways, thanks for listening. Who knows? I'll be back in two minutes to with another headline reread. <laughs> Thanks for the support. Dropping the gloves with John Scott. You suck, Tim. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Peace. Bye.